0: This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Our message this morning, the necessity of the church in counseling. Around here, we look at counseling and discipleship as synonymous terms. When you look at that title, it probably, if you know God's word probably looks like an unnecessary title. Why do we have to study? what? Shouldn't folks already know that the church is necessary in discipleship? Well, sadly we live in a day when people don't know that. Part of it is the whole electronic media, the avenues that are available for Christians to legitimately feed on God's word. Podcasts, uh, you can listen to multiple messages every day of the week and do that for an entire year and not listen to the same message. There is a lot of good preaching out there. Folks can be fed that way. But that is not a substitute for what God has laid out in His Word. So let me make some observations as we begin, and you can fill in these blanks. People are in trouble, and all segments of our self-centered society. Would you agree with me that we live in a narcissistic, lover of self, self self-centered world? Yes or no? Absolutely. By the way, it's hard to live in this world and not have that infect us. So every day Christians need to remind themselves. Jesus said, "If you're going to come after me, you have to deny yourself." I've shared this before. I was uh, trying to help a new Christian one time, and because of her past, she had multiple difficulties. There were just there were a lot of things uh, happening in her life. Partly because she didn't she didn't grow up in a home where mom and dad uh, loved her. Uh, The home was very dysfunctional, and so I could just see by her lifestyle that one of her main issues was she was given to satisfying herself, and so we continue to look at, you know, the Lord says, deny yourself in these areas, follow Christ, and then she stopped coming to church. That's always a sign. So I went by to see her, and she had found the answer to life. She had found a counselor, not a Christian counselor. And she said, I have found the answer. I said, well, what is that? He told me I need to love myself more. Uh, Didn't help. And I have lost track of her, but if that was what she continued to believe, her life did not get better. Did not become more fruitful for the Lord. And in fact, the worst master you can serve on this earth, listen, is you. Because we have sinful, fallen flesh. Everyone is turned to his own way. That's why we're in the mess that we're in today. So... People are in trouble in all segments of our self-centered society, outside of the church and inside the church. Now, we clean up, dress up to come to church on Sundays. But again, as as God's people, part of this body, this fellowship, knowing each other, we, we know that we have struggles And that's why, as we saw last week, brethren can be overtaken in a fall. I will fail the Lord. You'll fail the Lord. Now, there is always, always help when we come back to Him cleansing, encouragement, and grace to continue to grow. But each of us has flesh that convinces us that we are okay, that we're fine. Even though the Scripture shows otherwise. Now, don't don't not be encouraged by the Scripture because you and I can live the abundant life. We can go to the Word of God and be encouraged. I'm not where I should be, but I'm not where I've been. God is continuing the work in my life. So, there are many times, I hope, when you'll hear a message like this and God will just encourage you. Stay the course. You've given me all your heart. Keep going. But there will be times when the Lord also confronts us so that we can change as we look into this mirror, the only book that reads you back. All right? Now, many churches are turning back to biblical counseling for practical reasons, practical reasons when they should never have left for theological reasons, God's word has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. But back in the 70s and 80s, there was a trend that started in this country. Menrith Meyer and some of the others were promoting an integrationalist philosophy. If you have spiritual needs, go to church. If you have mental, psychological needs, go find a professional who's trained in that area. You don't find that in the scripture the apostles believed God's word was sufficient. They weren't sending Christians someplace else to get professional help. They were sending them to God and his word to get providential help. All right, so in the past, honest under-shepherds, pastors, have followed trends. And by the way, Christians have their celebrities just like the world does. And by the way, that ought to turn us off. There's nothing new under the sun. The only celebrity, and and I want to use that word honestly, you know, is Jesus Christ. He's who we should be following. But this author and this this new way of thinking and, and, and Christians flock in those directions too. Pastors do that. Well, now there's this conference, and and everybody's looking this way. And in the past, what I mentioned about the integrationalist ideas, honest shepherds, you know, they went there looking for help, looking for answers. But if, if it's an honest shepherd, he'll always come back to the truth. If he really cares about sheep, and many have flocked, No no pun intended. They flock back to the word of God because they learned that all those new ideas, they didn't help God's people in their sanctification. They just didn't. So back to the word of God. So here's a fact. A counselee, somebody who's new in the faith, all of us who need to grow in the faith, will only do well if he, she is active in God's kind of church. Active in God's kind of church. A church that is truly making disciples of Jesus Christ. And so what did our Lord teach you in Luke chapter 9? Would you look down at verse 23? He said to them, all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, that's repeated in the other synoptics as well. If you go to chapter 14, the Lord continues this theme in his teaching. Luke 14, I'm reading verse 26, If any man come to me, and haint not his father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my what? Now, is the Lord teaching us to hate? What do you think? No. Here's the key. We should love him and be so committed to him that our love for others, by comparison, looks like hate. Now, that doesn't mean that what God has told us in his word, how we ought to lead our wives, husbands, how we ought to love and train our children, which requires that we spend time, much time with them. It's not saying push all that aside and just only serve Christ. I would submit to you that only serving Christ includes those other things. It doesn't put them out. But does your commitment to Christ, to your family, Make it abundantly clear Jesus is supreme. If we said to your kids this morning, what's most important to mom and dad? It's God. Hands down, it's God. Is that what they would say? Or they'd say, well, they are religious. But there's a whole lot else that's eaten up their time too. We live in a desperate world that needs Christians to be completely dedicated to Christ in the cause. Look at verse 33, still in Luke 14. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my what? Disciple cannot, cannot. Jesus is saying, here's what I require in discipleship. You can't be my disciple if I have to compete with your other goals and loves. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Literally, he doesn't have love for the Father. Christian, don't fall into the trap of saying, well, well, he, he loves the Lord, but he, he's doing that sin. No, no, no. You either love the Lord or you do that sin. She either loves the Lord or she's over here serving herself, other things. So that's that's just the fact. Now, does that mean we can't enjoy the things in this life? God has given us those things to richly enjoy, but he didn't ever give those to us to set our hearts on them and so we could serve them above him. So here's a question. What kind of church is a disciple-making church? Well, let's answer that question this morning by God's grace. First, where the gospel is really... Good news. Now uh, Again, that's what an interesting way to word it, since gospel means good news. But do you know that there are churches that are preaching a gospel? It's not, not really good news. What do I mean? Well, in some churches, good news is not good news because there is no bad news. You've probably heard the name Joel Olstein. Who doesn't preach on hell, doesn't preach against sin, does not con- confront human failure. He only preaches on all the positive things in life. Got news for you, life isn't just all positive. And in fact, the way of the transgressor is hard. God said so. So when Joel Olstein doesn't preach the whole counsel of God, if the gospel does not include some bad news, I would submit to you he's preaching another gospel. And my Bible tells me, therefore, he is under the curse of God. I didn't get too many amens on that. You say, well, he's got a nice smile. Yeah, but there's not a whole lot else there. Well, pastor, that's unkind. Look. If there was a doctor who never treated illness, I wouldn't want that doctor. Well, my patients come to see me, and they always leave feeling good. Yeah, but did you confront the illness, the sickness? Well, you know, we, we just, there are too many doctors out there that are, are talking about that all the time. We need to be positive. Okay. Okay. The other problem is Joel Osteen's theology goes against all that we see in the Old Testament about the sacrificial system. What did God say? Without the shedding of blood, Old Testament there was no covering for sin. You would die and go to hell if you weren't coming to the tabernacle and the temple and offering sacrifices, agreeing with God about your sin and looking ahead to the coming Messiah. His theology also rejects what the prophets taught. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him, Messiah, the iniquity of us all. Is that necessary? Essential. And oh, by the way, his theology does contradict Jesus Christ who said, except ye repent, you will all likewise perish. Now, in some churches, there's no bad news. In other words, number one, no one has sinned. That's what they think. That's how they teach. First Thessalonians 5.14, Now we exhort you, brethren, Warn them that are unruly, out of order, neglecting their duties. Comfort the feeble-minded, those who are worried and fearful, discouraged. Comfort them. Support the weak, weak spiritually, weak morally. Support them. Help them see the light of God's word and, and how they should be thinking, how they should be living. And then, by the way, church family... When folks come in here, we're not just pointing out sin. We're loving each other and pointing to Jesus. Which then requires, because we're all in this together, we all have sinful flesh, look at the end of the verse, be patient toward all. Be patient towards all. So in some churches, the way... The teaching happens, their theology, no one has sinned. Number two, God's view of man's condition is ignored. Go over to Romans, please. You've heard me say this before. The book of Romans, Paul's writing, under inspiration, Romans is the theology of our salvation. And it is deep. What happened in your life and mine when we Repented, admitted to God we are sinners and we receive Jesus Christ. Is an amazing, supernatural, divine transaction. Powerful. And it took the entire New Testament to explain it to us. But a book like Romans gives us the theology of our, sa- our, of our salvation. Now, how does the book of Romans start out? The first chapters expose that we need salvation. We are sinners, we are headed towards eternal judgment, and we are dead in sin. Every one of us, no exceptions. You say, well, does that include preachers? Especially preachers. Yeah. Yeah. So Romans chapter 3, listen to the tone. This is the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul. What then? Are we better than they? <laughs> no, in no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under what? There's reality. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not One, not even one is what the original tells us. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. It affects their speech. Their throat is an open open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of ass, venomous snakes, Is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Let me just pause. If you're a Christian, God's changed the way you talk. But this is what we all were. Their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction and misery are in their ways, the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Verse 18 takes us back to Romans chapter 1. Now we know that these that uh, know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. I can be religious, I can look good, until I look into God's law. Then it, it exposes me for everything that I am. And so if I'm religious, will that bail me out? No. Why? Verse 20, therefore by the deeds of the law uh, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Somebody says, yeah, I, I go to heaven because I keep the law. No, you don't. Now, Sometimes you may keep portions of it, but here's what my God said, if I have offended in any of the law, I'm guilty of all of it. So God's view of man's sin is ignored in many places, but God's not ignoring it. Now look at letter B. In some churches, good news is really good news because there is a Savior who forgives all sins. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So here's the reality. And I was sharing this in a discipleship counseling session this week. It is so rewarding to sit in one of those sessions and talk to somebody who's really struggling with some habit, maybe an addiction in their life, and to be able to look them in the eyes and say, because you are in Christ, and I can say that because I've heard their testimony. There's a time when they repented, they received Jesus Christ as their Savior. I can say you may be struggling with sin now, but that's because of your flesh. It's not because of your new nature. And in God's eyes, you are justified. What does that mean? When God looks at you, he sees you through Christ. Listen, you don't have a past. Forgiven. Yeah, but my flesh reminds me of the past every day. You know what? I'm so thankful that's not how God sees me. Satan can remind me. Yeah, you're a dirty, rotten, what, yeah, okay. That's the flesh. But in Christ, I am a new creation. What did Paul tell the Corinthians? 1 Corinthians 6, 11, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, those who have not been to Christ for cleansing and salvation. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, I'm just going to say it. Homosexuals. Sodomites. That's who this is referring to. Those who are confused about their gender because they don't like the way God made them. That's who he's talking about here, folks. Nor abusers of themselves with mankind. You know what that includes? Everything just stated. Because if you're not doing it God's way, you're abusing yourself. It's not good for you. It's not healthy for your body. And it's not healthy for those that you're involved in your sin with. Nor thieves, nor covetous, drunkards, revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. If you're new at good news, you're not sitting in the midst of people who think we're holier than thou. No, we needed Christ cleansing, his forgiveness. We just may be more forgiven than you unless you've come to Christ for salvation. We've been rescued. We've been delivered. But we can say to you with full assurance, the Lord wants to deliver you too. Join the family. So the gospel is not just about eternal life. It included earthly transformation. Not just eternal life, but earthly transformation As all things become new. And so here at Good News, if I'm going to be a faithful pastor, I have to proclaim the whole counsel of God, and we do have to talk about sin. Ways that I fail, the ways that you fail, and how we can be forgiven and our fellowship with God be restored. When you and I sin as a Christian, it's not about sonship. It's about fellowship. I've used this again in counseling, but God taught it to me myself. I'm so thankful there was nothing I could do to stop being Gene Asher's son. Now, there may have been times where he looked to heaven and said, God, can I get a new one? He was always dead, and I was always son. But there were times when I did foolish, sinful things. I had a godly dad, and it broke our fellowship. The sin had to be dealt with so the fellowship could be restored, but I was secure in my relationship with my dad because he was dead, I was son. Now, that's just a, a snapshot of what we have in Christ, who said, all that the Father giveth to me shall come unto me, and he that cometh to me I'll in no wise cast out. thank you, Lord. And so where the gospel is really good news, and that's what good news needs to continue to be. This needs to be our tone, this needs to be our attitude, this needs to be our theology when we act, interact with brothers and sisters in Christ who have been overtaken in a fall. That's why the church is necessary in discipleship. Now let's move on, Roman numeral two. Where the, where the pastor and disciple makers are growing, where the gospel is good news And where the pastor and disciple makers, other believers, are growing. Growing, letter A, in their own life because they honor God's word. Their own life must honor God's word. Listen to these passages, Acts 20, 28. Paul told the Ephesian elders, take heed therefore unto yourselves. Start there. And then to all the flock. Over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. You are Christ's purchased possession. You're his church. You're not my church. You're his. We are his. But if I'm going to lead a church where discipleship is taking place, and I'm so thankful it's taking place here, I have to continue to be a learner follower of Jesus Christ. I must honor God's word in my own life. It's, not, it's never enough to say, do as I say and not as I do. Philippians 4.9, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. Paul is saying, you follow me as I follow Christ. What you've seen from my example, do that. Wow, what a statement. And the Holy Spirit allowed him to say that and the God of peace shall be with you. What is my desire for this flock? That you be at peace with God and have peace in your hearts as you serve God. He's called us to peace. I I desire that. If if your heart is in turmoil this morning, we need to talk. God has called us to peace. That's only possible if we honor God's word And that we includes me. Letter B. They must have a learner's spirit before God. A learner's spirit. This week, I was having a conversation with someone who called me. He's here this morning. He knows knows about our talk. It was a good talk. One of the challenges of ministry is, Pastor, I have a question. Pastor Coles knows, where's this conversation going? Now, I love the ones that come from the scripture. I was reading, I was thinking about this, let me ask a question. And so we talked about his his question. It's a good question. And I, I had freedom from the Lord because I had had that question in the past. I had studied it and I could give him a biblical answer. And then he said this. He said, Pastor, something of this effect, it, it, it's great, it must be great to know all these things. Whoa. And I had to pause and stop and say, look, there's so much I don't know. I have to continue to learn from God's word just like we all do. In fact, many of you know, and I... I won't get into long discussion on it. I I am still writing my dissertation for my doctorate. Things have taken some turns that I did not expect. Uh, It's going to be done, Lord willing, this year. But don't hold me to that. I complain to my wife. I have been in school all of my life. I am ready to be done with school. And then a, a small voice in my heart. The Holy Spirit says... Because you're not done learning. But God it's wearing me out. (laughs) All right. We must all have a learner spirit. Again, 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God. When I stop studying, I stop being approved. That's the application. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. If I stop studying, there's shame coming. Rightly dividing the word of truth. James 1.5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. God will give the wisdom. But the Holy Spirit, who is the source of all truth and all wisdom, who lives inside us, what did Jesus promise? When he lives here, he will guide us into all Truth. And by the way, through this truth, he helps us discern whatever is out there that is not true. I'm so thankful I don't have to listen to headlines, read blogs, all of that, and figure it out for me. If I am yielded to the Holy Spirit, and I'm committed to studying God's truth, there's going to be that still small voice that says, that's not right. He bears witness with truth. What does that tell us when the church, going back to those fads and these new philosophies, what does it tell us about the church when something can be said and a bunch of Christians say, oh, that sounds good. The Holy Spirit wasn't asleep. They weren't listening. Or they weren't learning. And when we don't know God's word, oh, how vulnerable we are. All right, so we must continue to be learners. Now, what does proper study require? Notice number one, a sound hermeneutic. A sound hermeneutic. Again, 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God. Right, we could go to chapter 3, look at verses 16 all the way through chapter 4 and verse 2. We don't have time to do that this morning. But Paul goes on to tell Timothy, Based on your study then, repute, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. So a sound hermeneutic. What, what does that word even mean? Well, it means a proper interpretation of the Bible. When you read the scripture, it is spiritually discerned. It's the mind of God to the mind of man. God's mysteries are revealed here. But you know what? God wrote it to us in such simple language that if we'll compare spiritual with spiritual, if we'll desire to know the truth, God said, I'll reveal it to you. Reading this, you don't have to read between the lines God wants all of his children to be able to understand it. That's hermeneutics a literal, historical, grammatical system of interpretation. That's what we practice here. We don't teach this Bible in light of traditions of the church, that's the doctrines of man. No, we need to be committed to the doctrine of Christ. So when the Lord says something, it's pretty simple. And by the way, he always means it. Number two, a sincere love for the Savior as he is revealed in the Bible. A learner's spirit, I go to God's word, his love letter, so that I can know him better and please him. Philippians 3.10, you want to write down these references. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Right? So I study the word of God so I can know Jesus better and love him more. Colossians three to 3 If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on the things of the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Again, the end of Colossians 3, you're dead. Dead? Well, you're alive unto Christ. The Holy Spirit lives here. So you have eternal life indwelling you in the person of Jesus, his Spirit. But you're dead. Dead to what? Dead to sin. When we got saved, your old nature got put to death. You don't have to sin and neither do I. If I choose to sin, it's a contradiction to who I am in Christ. So if I love the Lord, I will keep his commandments. If I love the Lord, I'll stay away from the things that offend him. So the learner's spirit. Again, sound hermeneutic. Love for Jesus. And then let her see. Disciple makers, pastors, have to continue to be students of God's word. And they must be sincere. You're blank there. We need to be honest before God. Honest about ourselves. The pastor, disciple maker must view sin, his own sin, her own sin, in a Psalm 51 way. Now some of you know what I mean when I say that. Psalm 51 is the extensive repentance psalm that David wrote after he was confronted about his adultery of Bathsheba and his murder of her husband Uriah. And you get to see how David dealt with his sin. Thoroughly, completely, listen, honestly. In fact, he goes into before the Lord why he committed the sin. And you know what he says? You desire truth on the inward parts. I lied to me and I've been living a lie before you. Nobody's exempt from sin. Nobody can handle sin. You don't manage evil. It gets you. And so, Lord, I'm coming before you. I'm going to be thoroughly honest. I'm going to be transparent. And by the way, the whole nation knew what David had done. I'm sure David didn't like it, but you know what? It didn't matter because I'm right with God. That's what matters. Many times when we're discipling people, counseling people, Pastor Radice will tell you this, folks are trying to manage details. Well, okay, it's a chess game. If I admit this, then this could happen. No, stop. Admit it to God, make it right, and he'll take care of those other details. That's repentance. So here's a fact. Though people have a hard time seeing the hypocrisy in their own lives, they're very good at identifying inconsistency, hypocrisy in someone else's, especially a pastor's. Especially the life of someone who has been a disciple or someone who has a testimony for the Lord. And that ought to motivate every one of us to love the Lord and continue to learn and to be honest about ourselves. Now, if that's what we are, we're going to have to stop there. Our time is up. But if that's what we are before the Lord, this will be a church that God can continue to use, where people can come, can be helped, can continue to grow, and where all of us are honest about who we are, but we're encouraged by what we are in Christ. And there's no limit to what God's going to do here. If any of this changes, self-righteous and all those other things, people not being honest about who they are, then we get in trouble. But I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for what God is doing here. Next time we're together, we're going to look at how the Scripture divines pastorology, the philosophy of ministry that we need to have. So hang on to those handouts, okay? Bring them back with you. Do you believe that the local church is important? I know you do. You're here this morning. Those of you that are in the habit of being here when God's people meet, I know you really believe it. I look out, I look at somebody like Dr. Earls, It's not easy to get to church, but he is here every single time he can be. Why? Because he understands his truth. And he's been committed his entire life to serving the Lord, making disciples. And that's who we need to be. Now, Father, thank you for this truth. Thank you for this church. Lord, would you protect this pastor, protect my heart, Lord, help me to humbly continue to walk with you and to be a student of your word. Lord, keep me from hypocrisy. And Lord, for every other Christian here who we're all called to be disciple makers, help us to be honest before you. Help us to be students of your word. Every time there's an opportunity to learn that we expose ourselves to that, our adult Bible fellowships, Wednesday night Bible study, the ladies Bible studies, and Lord, even the exchange training that will equip us to be better soul winners as we declare the gospel. Lord, this morning, help us to recommit ourselves to you in love and to what you've asked us to be as followers of Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening